So I want to begin with a question. Are you struggling to trust God? Are there dark thoughts deep in your heart? Maybe thoughts that scare you. God knows that they're there. And it's not doing you any good to keep those thoughts hidden. God knows what's in your heart. In Psalm 77, we're going to look at some hard questions that are asked of God. These are questions that often come from deep within believers when they are struggling in their faith. Well, maybe you're not struggling. Maybe you're in a season when things are good and calm and everything is doing well. It's definitely a time to be thankful and appreciate this season in your life. But don't get too comfortable because in this fallen world in which we live, we all have to go through hard times. And it's at those times when we really have to make an effort to pursue God. But for some people, when they go through difficult things in life, some people will, will respond by getting mad at God and they will reject him. They will walk away from the faith. Like the parable of the rocky soil, the scorching heat of the sun comes and withers the plant because its roots are shallow. So what about you? How are you going to respond? As you ponder these things, I would invite you to consider Psalm 77. So if you haven't turned there, I'm going to go ahead and read Psalm 77. And if you are able, would you please stand for the reading of God's word? Psalm 77. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. Selah. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I I consider the days of old, the years long ago. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Selah. Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on all your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God. 
You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You with your arm redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. When the water saw you, O God, when the water saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrow flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters. Yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Praise be to the Lord for his word. You may be seated. So first I want to share some observations regarding Psalm 77. This psalm is attributed to Asaph. Asaph was a prominent figure and a deeply spiritual man, and yet his cry goes out as one who is deeply troubled, as one who is struggling in his faith. So you're saying strong Christians can struggle in their faith? Yes, the Bible has several examples. Remember John the Baptist, whom Jesus said, there's not born among women anyone greater than he? Toward the end of John's life, he was in prison and he began to doubt about Jesus. Because you see uh, him being in prison with the Messiah here, this isn't what was supposed to happen. So John sends his servants to Jesus to ask him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Jesus sends John's servants back to him with the words, go tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. So John the Baptist struggled in his faith. And God will often test the faith of his people, even the strongest of Christians. And in this psalm that we're considering this morning, in Psalm 77, we see how Asaph struggled in his faith. Now, some commentators try to identify a particular national event, a a nationwide event that would be the occasion for Asaph's struggle of faith. And it's because of things like in verse 7, which the NIV translates it as, Will the Lord reject forever? This seems to refer to some national event that has the appearance of God rejecting his people. However, regardless of what was going on historically with the nation at that time, Asaph deals with this very personally. Please notice in the first three verses on this psalm, the pronouns I, me, and my are used nine times. Nine times in the first three verses. This struggle of faith 
that this struggle of faith was very personal to Asaph. So are you struggling in your faith this morning? Are you struggling to trust God? You are not alone. Remember, even the greatest people of faith go through times of struggle. Please note that Psalm 77 is a lament psalm. Well, what is a lament? Most of you know this, but I'm going to go over this just to be sure. A lament is simply bringing our complaints to God. What an amazing, loving, and patiently heavenly Father that he doesn't just tolerate our complaints, he actually invites us to bring our complaints to him. Now, I'm not talking about the kind of complaining that comes from rebellious and unthankfulness. That's the kind of complaining that the Israelites did in the wilderness. And you remember how that went for them. I'm talking about complaints that come from faith. When we struggle with what we know about God and we struggle to make sense of what's happening in our lives around us, and by faith we bring those complaints to God, it's not rebellion. It's a struggling child coming to his heavenly Father for help. And these complaints often come from pain and suffering. And God doesn't want us to wallow in our struggles alone. He wants us to bring them to him. And what I want you to take away from this psalm today is when you're struggling, struggle your way to God. Please take note, the struggle of faith is not the problem. Just having a struggle in your faith is not the problem. It's what you do with it. Are you going to struggle your way to God? Are you going to just let that struggle fester in your heart like black mold in a dark, damp place? So what will you do with your struggle of faith? So let's consider this psalm. I've organized the rest of the sermon under three main points. The first point. Seek the Lord in your time of trouble. Seek the Lord in your time of of trouble. Notice verse 1. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. Please notice three things here. First, this crying aloud to God is repeated. The fact that it is repeated highlights the intensity of Asaph's cry to the Lord. Second, notice it is a loud cry. It is not silent prayer. 
And he wasn't just praying out loud. He was crying out. This is an intense plea to God. Have you ever considered crying out loud to God? You may find that it helps to trust God. I like how it was put in an article that I read which said, quote, praying out loud will reinforce the fact that you're speaking with a God who loves to hear from you, end quote. Praying out loud will reinforce the fact that you're speaking with a God who loves to hear from you. A third observation in verse 1. Notice the statement of confidence in God. And he will hear me. Deep down, Asaph knew that regardless of how things seemed to be, he knew that God would hear him. You get that? He knew that God would hear him. So this loud, intense prayer was a prayer of faith because he knew God would hear him. And you know, we can have confidence to go to our God in prayer through our Lord Jesus Christ who has made access for us into the very throne room of grace. We can know that God hears us because of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Asaph sought the Lord in his time of trouble. And my exhortation to you is, seek the Lord in your time of trouble. If you're struggling in your faith, then just start to pray. Sometimes we just need to take that first step and begin praying and crying out to the Lord. Because this is what faith does. Notice verse 2. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearing. My soul refuses to be comforted. Please notice two things from this verse. First. Asaph, as Asaph was crying out to God, he held his hand stretched out. His arm wasn't bent or even just partially raised as sometimes we do. His arm was reaching out toward God. And it appears that this was done through much of the night. It says in verse 2, without wearying Perhaps it was intermittently, not rigidly keeping it straight out nonstop, but perhaps it was a, a regularly raising of his hand to the Lord throughout the night. You know, if you want to know what that's like, just try holding your hand up straight for five minutes and see how hard that is. Imagine doing that for much of the night. But that is how, that's how much distress Asaph was in. That he would labor to keep his arm stretched out. 
Now let me ask you, have you ever tried stretching out your hands before God in prayer? I think you'll find that by employing more of your body in prayer, like raising your hands to God, that it really helps the heart to follow. Normally, when Christians raise their hands, it's during the singing in the church. But there are several examples throughout the Bible of God's people raising their hands when they pray. So, Try it sometime. It really does help the heart to follow. So Asaph stretched out his hand to God in prayer. Second thing to notice in verse 2, Asaph's soul refused to be comforted. Deep down inside, the struggle was so great that the normal things that would bring him comfort didn't work whether it was the promises of God or reading his Bible or praying, those normal things didn't bring comfort. That's how much distress he had. And I think it's important for us to to see this because some struggles in faith don't get resolved overnight. It can take times, days, and even weeks in seeking the Lord before finding comfort. You know, our job isn't to try to figure out how long it should be until we receive comfort. Okay, it's been 12 hours. Okay, I should be comforted by now. It's not the way it works. Our job is to keep seeking the Lord, keep crying out to the Lord. There's something else that I'm going to instruct you to do later, which will also make a huge difference. And how long it takes to receive comfort. So we'll get to that in a bit. But to to summarize the point here. Seek the Lord in your time of trouble. Cry out to him. Raise your hands. And seek the Lord. The second main point. Bring your hard questions to God. Bring your hard questions to God. I'm going to come back to verses 3 through 6 later, but for now I want to focus on verses 7 through 8, the hard questions that Asaph asks in his heart as he was pondering his trouble. So back when I read this psalm about a year ago, I was struck at the seriousness of these questions. And I'm not going to comment on all of them, but I'll point out some of the significant ones here. Questions that I think Christians really do struggle with at times in their own hearts. So let's look at these. Verse 7. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? That word favorable refers to God's grace. So we can understand this question as, will you never again give grace? This question is repeated in a similar way in verse 9. Has God forgotten to be gracious? 
This is a striking question because God has promised grace to his people who trust him. Grace is God's unconditional favor and goodness to us. So God, has that changed? Is your grace now conditional that you would no longer be gracious to us anymore? Another hard question in verse 8. Has a steadfast love forever ceased? I think it's accurate to say that without the love of God, there would be no gospel. There would be no hope. So has God stopped being loving? Does he still love me? Shocking question. Another hard question in verse 8. Has his promise failed for all time? Did God not keep his promise? Will he not be faithful to keep his promise? You see, the very promises of God are what anchor our faith in hope. So to question whether God keeps his promises is a very serious matter. So do these questions make you feel uncomfortable? One of the problems we face in the Christian community is that there's a lot of fear in asking these kinds of questions. So Christians will keep them hidden. You think of why, why are Christians afraid of these questions? And perhaps they're afraid because by having some of these questions in their own hearts, they're afraid that they're going to walk away from Christ. And I understand that, I get that, because these are the same kinds of questions that people ask when they are rejecting God, when they're walking away from the faith. And in those cases, these questions are kind of like accusations against God to justify rejecting him. And some of these people even think that these questions cannot actually be answered in a satisfactory way, and therefore they help to prove that God doesn't exist. And so we need to be honest here. It is true that these are the kinds of thoughts and questions that can lead a person to abandon their faith. However, we must also realize there are also the same kinds of questions that are asked when real Christians are genuinely struggling and fighting for their faith in God. They're not walking away from their faith. They're fighting for it. It really just depends on the motive of the heart. If the person is struggling toward God, then God can use these difficult questions that we ask for our good. And he can strengthen our faith rather than it being something that tears it down. Does that make sense? And for the Christian, it starts when we are honest about what's going on in our heart. You see, being honest about what is in our hearts is like the morning light of the sun drying up the dew on the grass. 
It's like opening the window so the light of God's grace can shine on our hearts. And God will answer by flooding our hearts with his grace. And he will carry us through our struggle until our faith once again finds firm ground upon which to stand. So let's be honest about what's going on inside and lay our struggling hearts bare before the Lord. He is compassionate. And let us remember the exhortation in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, which says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Amen. So again, the point is, if the motive of your heart is to fight for your faith, then don't be afraid of these questions that pop up inside you. Take them to God. Bring your hard questions to God. God's grace will come and sustain you and get you through. And remember, God already knows it's there in your heart. He loves you and he will love you through the process as you struggle your way to him. Third main point. Remember who God is and what he has done in the past. Now you remember I said before that there should there would be one more thing that will help bring God's comfort. This is it. Remember who God is and what he has done in the past. So where does this remembering come from? If you're going to remember who God is and what he has done in the past, how does that happen? So let's consider verses 3 through 6 now. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. Selah. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old, the years long ago. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Please notice that the word meditate appears two times here, and it appears a third time in verse 12. Now, meditate means to think about, to ponder. When we meditate on God, we, think, we are to think deeply about him and what the Bible sa- says about him. This is what Asaph does, and he remembers. He remembers who God is and what he has done in the past. What about you? When you struggle, do you take time to meditate and to think about God? To think about who he is and what he has done in the past? Please notice what Asaph remembered about God in verse 13. 
He says, your way, O God, is holy. So Asaph remembered that God is holy. That God is holy means that God is separate and distinct. He is one of a kind. God is not like us or like anything we can see here on earth. That God is holy means that God is pure in everything he thinks and in everything he does. He is completely separated from sin and from the fallenness of this world. And he never makes a mistake. And his holiness means that God is transcendent. He is exalted far above all things on this earth. And his thoughts are way above our thoughts and his understanding beyond anything we can comprehend. God is holy. And also in verse 13, what God is great like our God? Asaph remembers that God is great and powerful, far greater than any other supposed God out there. Nothing can rival his great power. And in verse 14, God is the one who works miracles for his people. And then Asaph remembers what God has done in the past. The main focus of verses 15 through 20 was how God delivered his people from bondage in Egypt. This event of God saving and delivering his people from slavery in Egypt and bringing them into the promised land, this event is mentioned, I believe, 87 times in the Bible. It's significant. You see, God's greatness and power was on display from the ten plagues he put on the Egyptians to the separating of the waters of the Red Sea for Israel to cross to everything else God did to bring them into the land of promise. So remembering what God did in Israel's history really did strengthen Asaph's faith. So Asaph remembered who God is and what he has done in the past. Now please take note regarding Asaph's struggle of faith. Asaph was never told why these things were happening. That's why he was asking these hard questions, because he didn't know why. But did God answer Asaph's questions? No. He didn't answer Asaph's questions. But that's okay, because Asaph was satisfied, completely satisfied, when he remembered who God is and what he has done in the past. A fascinating parallel to this is is found in Job. Throughout the book of Job, Job was suffering. His suffering was severe. And in his suffering, he was struggling in his faith. 
God, why am I suffering if I don't deserve it? There is certainly a lot of drama throughout the book of Job, but suffice it to say, at the end, God doesn't answer Job's questions. He simply reminds Job of who he is and what he has done in the past. For example, in Job chapter 8 verses Job chapter 38 verses 4 through 5, God says to Job, "Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements?" Surely you know. And when Job was reminded of the greatness and power of God, Job repented. That was all he needed. And that's all we need as well. We don't need our questions answered. We just need to be reminded of who God is and what he has done in the past. And perhaps the number one thing we should remember is what God has done for us in our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you question whether or not God loves you? Remember that he sent his own son, God the Son. And Jesus willingly came to give his life for us. Jesus left the glory of heaven to become human so that he would suffer and die to save us. It says in John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this than that one laid down his life for his friends. And then Jesus rose from the dead in victory over the grade. And by that same power, he gives us eternal life. And remember, because you trust in Jesus, your sins are forgiven. You have been given eternal life. And one day, Jesus will return and take you to be with him. If you die before he comes, then when he does return, he will raise you from the dead. So remember what God has done for you in Christ. Remember the future hope that he has given you in Christ. Now, I want to give you something to reflect upon following this question. How often do you give yourself time to think about life, to reflect upon God and what God is doing in your life? I want to address one of the things in our culture that often hinders our ability to meditate upon God and his word. Entertainment. Our culture is captivated by entertainment. 
Now, I'm not saying entertainment's wrong or all forms of entertainment is wrong. But to be captivated, to have so much time given to entertainment does have an effect that we should consider. One effect is that it's become quite acceptable to use entertainment as a mild form of escapism. You know, some big areas are videos, YouTube, TikTok, shows, electronic games can be a big one, sports. A lot of churches see people not coming to church during football season. Social media can be another big one. And often we, we, we justify our mild addiction to these things by saying things like, well, it helps me to relax or it reduces stress. And, and again, not all that is bad per se, But consider, when we go through difficult struggles in life, we become even more tempted to pacify our struggles with escaping and often with these kinds of forms of entertainment. And I'm no different. I'm no different at all. I've had those same struggles. The problem is, is it doesn't help. The relief that those things give is temporary. They don't help. The only place you will find peace is going to God. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will will find rest for your souls. And remember the gospel. Remember what God has done for you in Christ. The love of God is is not displayed any greater than what he has done for us in Christ. So to summarize the main points again, seek the Lord in your time of trouble You have to be intentional. It won't just happen. Second, bring your hard questions to God. He already knows what's in your heart. And he will love you through the struggle until your faith is firm again. And finally, take time to meditate upon God. Remember who God is and what he has done in the past. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we we come before you first with a humility that acknowledges that we don't know anything, hardly anything in this life. We don't know why things happen. We don't know all the things going on around us in our world in the lives of people we love and care about. 
We don't know a lot of this stuff. But you do. Thank you that we can cast our cares and our burdens upon you. That you love us. That you will get us through our difficult times. Thank you for giving us the path of lament to draw near to you, to be healthy and whole in our faith. Help us all, by your grace, to to avail ourselves of this avenue of lament, to seek you in all times, especially in our times of trouble. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I believe we have one more song. Is that correct?